Well, my sleep schedule still is is recovering from the West Coast swing. I didn't even go to the West Coast. Like I, I acted all week. I was I was on West Coast time, and I was I was still in the East Coast watching these games. So I really have no reason to complain. But my sleep schedule has been wrecked. But I'm here and I'm ready to to try to revive it and, and talk minor league baseball. This is the Guardians of the Future podcast. I'm Justin Latta and. Willie Hood is back with me. Willie, did you did you stay up any days this week to watch uh, to late night baseball? I, well, I guess the one day was nine forty in San Diego, and then Friday and Saturday were ten o'clock games. So, did you did you wreck your sleep schedule to stay up for this? I usually stay up late on weekends, anyhow, just to enjoy the weekend. I, I try to stretch it wherever I can, and you know, I I think employers need to offer um, nap naps for uh, for their employees. <laughs> Um, all around, but particularly when their baseball team is on the West Coast. (laughs) Right. You can't see it on when you're listening to this, but I'll point out to Willie right back there. That's my nap pod for work. I have a nap pod. (laughs) My employers don't offer it to me, but I use this one because it's in my basement. So, because I work from home. So, I do have a nap pod. Hopefully, be sure to claim that on your taxes. (laughs) (laughs) I should. It should. I, I did claim this uh, this computer desk I'm sitting at, at my taxes last year, so that was good. The couch, I, I don't know. Hopefully my employer's not actually listening. <laughs> I don't think they do. There is. I do have one big baseball fan at the... At the we are going to talk about unionization, so neither one of us want our employers listening today. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't I don't think they would appreciate that. We'll get into all that. Um, yeah, a lot, lot to talk about. So I had the rundown. I gave it to you. We don't, you know, we try to at least put some talking points down and what we want to go over. We don't really follow a script, as it were, but we try to at least put some stuff down to talk about that uh, is happening with minor leaguers and had some late news break uh, from the Guardians that we'll get into. So uh, you brought up, Willie, the Ahmed Rosario extension thing. So there was like a weird thing on the broadcast over the weekend, and we addressed it last night on the the Twitter spaces with GBI. So if you were listening to that, we already covered it. If you haven't listened to it, it's out there on Twitter somewhere. I'll, I'll try to find the link again, but we talked about it a little bit last night after the road trip that reportedly on the broadcast, they said that Jose is would like the, the guardians to extend him at Rosario. I don't know the full context because I didn't see the audio or hear the audio. Uh, but that was apparently what's been communicated and it's been an interesting Twitter conversation today that I wholeheartedly stayed out of outside of people asking me questions about shortstop prospects. Um, I'll throw it to you, Willie, because this, this this topic to me has already been exhaustive. So what do you, what do you think about any talk of an Ahmed Rosario extension? I'll try to keep it short and sweet, but I think it's redundant to tie up money in him when, in my opinion, they should be tying up money with Andreas Jimenez, who, in my opinion, is a superior player. And you have um, a number of quality prospects coming in behind him. I know prospects are suspects, and I say that, and I've said that, but I also believe in the quality of prospects that are coming in this organization. Um, I think you're better served if you're going to go that route to invest either at catcher or outfielder. Um, Definitely think that they should look at some potential extension candidates, and I think Jimenez should be one. I've thrown out Austin Hedges before, uh, seriously and jokingly, that 
Hedges should be somebody that they would con should consider extending. I, I think you need to invest in catcher. I know you got Naylor. I know you got Lava coming too, but I think you still need a, an experienced veteran around for the next few years. Um, I don't think. Well, let me put it to you this way: If they invested in Rosario and it ended up keeping them from extending Jimenez long term, I think that that would be something, you know, something that could become a hindrance to extending Jimenez long term, if depending on the length and the price. And I don't think he's going to come cheap um, as as some would. I think it's twelve million or more would be his price tag. That's just my opinion. hit free agency at age 28 if he does get there uh he'll be 27 at the end of the season and you know he's not like a, a carlos correa he's not a javier Baez, although the Baez contract looks fantastic if you're not a tigers fan um he's not yet but he's not one of those guys that expects to get like you know a a hundred million dollar extension or 200 million dollar contract like those guys got or whatever correa's situation is in and uh, Tim Anderson is another guy that I look at as like a guy who would get paid, but I don't know what it would take. I, I think the only question really is, I said this last night on the, the Twitter spaces is it's like a risk averse move. You know, Ahmed Rosario is a, a, an above average major league player, maybe average. I don't know. He's, he's, you know, right around that hundred to 110 weighted runs created plus Mark uh, a three win player. Uh, okay defender, not spectacular, but good, runs well, is respected in the clubhouse and, and hustles and plays the game well. He does fit in what they're trying to do. Um, so, you know, he's a he's a safe bet. You know what you get from him, a safe player. Do you lock that up with this core that you have right now? Do you want to have him part of it going forward and not try to bring in another rookie and see how that goes. Cause you know, I guess, like you said, prospects being suspects. What if you decide to trade a med Rosario or you let him walk at the end of his contract, at the end of his uh, control and you plug in a Brian Rocchio and guess what? Brian Rocchio doesn't pan out. Like we think then you're scrambling for an option at shortstop, I guess. And, and, you know, that's, that's where the front office has, like I said, last night has to be competent in their ability to, decide what is best for the team going forward. Are they, they are a risk averse franchise. I don't think there's any way to, to dance around that. I think that's, that's who they are. That's how they make their decisions. It's a lot of a risk averse nature. Um, so do they decide that it's safer to go with them at Rosario as part of the group moving forward and um, move on from any of those prospects and use those guys to, to shore up other areas of the team or do they plug in a rookie and, they're confident that the guys they drafted and developed or signed and developed out of the international class is better for the team going forward and not paying them at Rosario and saving that money and hopefully using it elsewhere. They haven't really always done that, but if they give themselves the flexibility to do so, maybe by using a Rosario or I'm sorry, an Arias or a, uh, a Rocchio or Angel Martinez, whoever ends up being. So I guess it's a, it's a, who do you feel more confident going forward? And do you feel like there's going to be not much of a drop off from moving out from Rosario to one of the rookies? And I don't know. For me, I would, my personal preference is to 
go with Rosario for one more year, let Rocchio and, and Arias play a triple-A next year, see what happens, and then I think plug, you know, get get those guys sometime in the major leagues eventually and, and move on to whichever one you feel most confident, and that's where I would go. But I don't know. I think they'll make, like I said, I don't, I don't think they'll worry too much about the Jose thing. Like, I think people are kind of overblow, overblowing the fact that Jose is the one saying this and, you know, he's advocating for his friend to get paid that he really likes, and I understand that, but I think at the end of the day, he signed an extension here. He trusts the front office to do what they're going to do. Otherwise, he wouldn't have stayed here, and um, they'll make the decision they think is best for the the future of the team and, and their contention, you know, period going forward with this group. I agree. I think it's enough said. <laughs> yeah, it, it just got so divisive. It was so weird. I'm like, yeah, he – Clearly Rosario fits in with what they're doing and he, he's a, a good part of this team right now. He's streaky, but you know, clubhouse chemistry also does matter. Absolutely. And um, yeah, there's definitely a universe where signing Rosario makes more sense than going to your rookies and moving, or, you know, more prospects and trading them for something else. There's certainly a universe where that makes sense. So there's some logic there, but uh, it's more, like I said, it's more of a safe, safety option. And I said last night, you know, uh, Ahmed Rosario, Fangraphs had him as a overall prospect, um, future value in their rankings, I think way back in like 2017 when he debuted. I don't think he's gotten anywhere close to a 65 future value. Um, and right now, Fangraphs has Brian Rocchio at a 50, and I think you and I have him at a 55. We have a little bit higher on him, but you know, if Ahmed Rosario doesn't reach a 65, there's no obviously no guarantees that Rokio gets the 50 or 55, but you like the odds. But I would say Rosario never quite reached his potential, or at least he hasn't to this point. Yeah, I think, you know, and I mentioned this to you in our conversation this morning, but he's he's been a um, pedigree prospect, so to speak, somebody with that hype that was highly – uh, touted. And then, um, you know, I think that's probably why we see some of his development even this year, because he's a guy that advanced quickly because of the skills that he has, um, maybe pushed to the MLB too quickly even, um, and has developed some, I think this year, definitely improved defensively this year, but I also will say that he's the beneficiary of being right between Andreas Jimenez and Jose Ramirez too. Um, having either of those two on, on either side of him, um, I think is something that helps him to play up. Um, you know, there's natural athleticism there with him too. Uh, the, the speed, definitely some things to like. I, I think he does fit the clubhouse. And I've mentioned before in a previous podcast that there's potential that they do extend him but my concern is if you extend him, does it block extending um, Andreas Jimenez um, in the future too? I, I don't know that they would invest all of that money into three infielders, um, though they may. But to me, you got to go for the superior player and do it while, while you can, if you can at all. Yeah, definitely you have to, if you feel like, the upside. I mean, like I said, it's a risk thing, and they the
they decide that Rosario is, is a safer bet and they want to go with a safer bet. And when Rosario is gone, whether that's what they, if they let him walk or if they trade him and that rookie can, I mean, cause I think, I think it's fair to point out that, you know, Stephen Kwan has stepped in and been fantastic. And other, other rookies have stepped in and done a great job as well. And this team, Oscar Gonzalez and, um, we've seen, seen a number of pitchers come. Do a good job moments when he was up. So you're saying a good job. That doesn't mean they're all going to do it. No, it, it doesn't mean they'll all do it. Rookie, um, but, um, that's the risk, I think, with, with that whole thing. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think potentially, you know, Brian Rocchio is another Andreas Jimenez type of player. Um, you know, I've, I've said that he's the Jimenez light version. And if you get that banking on him developing, of course, then that's a, still a superior player to what Rosario is. Uh, and of course it, it is about chemistry and winning and trying to win now too, you know, so do you want to go through the developmental curve of a younger player there? Or do you want to go with some guys that you've already developed and try to win now? Um, I think you could potentially win now with a guy like Rokio uh, or even Gabriel Arias. Um, but it seems like Arias has been um, positioned to have that super utility or that versatility to play multiple positions. Um, so I don't know if that if that's an indicator of how they want to fit him in in September, or if that's an indicator for possibly future play as soon as next year. Um, but Arias definitely has the, definitely, he definitely has the ability to play that position. Reminds me of the, uh, it's the money version of movie ball, uh, money ball where uh, it's the, it's the reverse where um, the man is playing um Carlos Pena, the rookie, every day at first base, and the front office wanted uh, Scott Hatterberg playing first base, and they kept saying, well, who do you project will win with more going forward? And they say it's close, but Hatterberg, and they end up trading Pena, so that the, the manager is forced to, to start Scott Hatterberg, and it worked out great, although Carlos Pena went on to be a good player, and Scott Hatterberg was kind of a, 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 a okay player. For, he was part of that win streak, obviously, but he didn't have the career that Carlos Pena had. Um, going forward, but just remind me. Of Cause they, they kept going back a decent amount of time on, on a Matt Rosario. Now we can move on to um, bigger news. So there are some moves today in the system. So the late news we didn't plan for until I'm glad the, the moves dropped just before we started recording, but, um, if you haven't seen yet, or if it, you're listening to this Tuesday morning or late Monday night, um, and you haven't seen, so Doug Nikhazy gets promoted from Lake County to AA Akron, and in his stead, uh, the cattle Dion comes up from Lynchburg to Lake County, and then uh, Lake County also gets Caesar Adrogo, Ad 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 outfielder from Lynchburg. Then Lynchburg gets uh, infielder Angel Janow and outfielder Joe Lampy and 
right-handed pitcher Ward Quellen Vasquez. So uh, Willie, I saw Mackenzie's not his last start in Lake County, which was Sunday. He didn't pitch very well, but I saw his start last Tuesday in Lake County, and uh, I would say he was as good as I'd seen him all year. And he uh, had the curveball working for strikes. He got a guy that swinging his curveball. He threw it like fifty-seven feet. It was great. Um, it was a terrible swing. And then he had the fastball working up in the zone. It was, you know, 90 to 92. Um, little season and it will read off season. Um, but a really, really fun, fun interview after the game too, just talking about pitching and, uh, what he's done this year and how much he's learned and grown as a player. He has not been Doug crazy this year at all. He has been almost like a, I don't know. They, I, uh, the captain's manager, Greg DeCenso did say that he has grown this year in terms of controlling his emotions, pitch to pitch and controlling the tempo of the game. But um, he has not outwardly been Doug crazy at any point this year. And he did say it might return for the playoffs and hopefully now Akron makes the playoffs so we can see it. But um you know, good for him to see time at double A this year after spending all year at Lake County. I think he grew a lot from the beginning to the end of the year. I think control will probably always be a bit of an issue for him, but um, he's definitely grown as a pitcher this year, I would say. Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity for him to to be up, and it's good to see him up with Gavin and uh, Gavin Williams and Tanner Bibby already in Akron and doing very, very well for themselves there. Um, so Doug's a little bit behind where those two are in terms of development. But you know what? Still a very talented left-hander. And, you know, I think you can get by with lefties that really don't have that control so long as they can get outs and and log innings, you know. Look around baseball and you see some decent left-handers getting paid, you know, like Robbie Ray, um, Jordan Montgomery, Jose Quintana, who went to the Cardinals. Um, There's always room for left-handers even if they have a high walk rate, as long as they can log innings and generate outs. Yeah, the stuff is there for, for Nikhazy. That's never been the issue. It's definitely the control this year and just got himself into a lot of high pitch counts and a lot of deep counts all season. And then I think the last couple starts, he has really toned that down. And Sunday wasn't so great, but um, yeah, it doesn't matter. It definitely... Good to get him to Akron, get his feet wet this year that up there, and he'll probably start 2023 in Akron. And um, who knows how the rest of that rotation will shake out. There's so many things that could happen um, in that regard with the pitching staff. But definitely good to get him up there. I hope hope for his sake Akron makes the playoffs because Lake, Lake County um, is three games up in the, in the playoff standings in the Midwest League. I don't know where Akron sits currently, but they're not anywhere near as close to controlling their future as Lake County is. So we'll see what happens. But um, better for him to face double-A hitters at this point in the season than it is to face high-A hitters in the playoffs. So that move, all about development there. Um, but definitely grown this year. Definitely a great interview. I have some clips from that I hope to put together because he was a fantastic interview. Um, so Jaime Arias and Jordan Jones go to Lake County, so they'll cover his innings a little bit. But Will Dion was uh, the big move there for them to get replaced the KZ. Kind of surprised Will Dion. It took this long to get Will Dion to Lake County. Uh, he has pitched his butt off all year. I think he – I know he leads the Carolina League in strikeouts. He's getting close to leading um, – uh, he's near the top of the strikeout totals in the system by himself. But 
but he's pitched really well this year. I talked to him over the phone a couple weeks ago too, and he's he's mostly been eighty eight to ninety this year, ninety one a little bit, ninety two, but um, has really developed his changeup a lot this year. The changeup looks good. He's throwing the curveball less because he knows that on the scouting report teams are looking for it, and he's hoping to uh, to add a slider. But um, yeah, I think he's pitched as well as expected this year, and. He probably could have been in Lake County from the get-go had they had the room for him. They just had to spread those guys out. So um, I think we'll see what happens at Akron next year, but I can't I can't imagine high A headers being much more of a challenge for him than they were in low A with his stuff and his control. Yeah, I think he'll be just fine moving up. Uh, you know, you and I mentioned Rodney Boone a little off the air. He'd already advanced himself. Um, and that – when you look at the two of them, Will Dion and Rodney Boone almost had similar statistics. I, I think Dion actually maybe a, a tick better at the time, but Boone got the call, and and now Dion is too. I think he would have, um, if there was a spot for him, I think he would have been up sooner. Yeah, I think that it, the the depth has definitely played a role in that this year, and it definitely could have happened sooner. I think he could have. St- the year pitched very well on Saturday. I think he crossed the hundred inning mark and has 130 strikeouts and his ERA is below two, his whips below one. He's just having a ridiculous year. So he should have probably been an Akron from, from the beginning too. And then um, the other moves that go along with this that are just as exciting. So Caesar drug, I won't, I don't want to overlook that Lake County has needed some bodies for some time now because they had Jonathan Rodriguez and Angel Martinez go to Akron and they've been without um, some They get Caesar Drago. The big move was uh, Angel Janow and Joe Lampy getting to, to Lynchburg. That was a big thing. Um, so Angel Janow, obviously one of the big international prospects Cleveland has signed recently. He had a very strong first stateside season in Arizona. The Arizona Complex League season is over, so he gets the bump to Lynchburg along with the uh, Ward Quellen Vasquez, a right-handed pitcher. And then Joe Lampy is the first 2022 draft pick for the Guardians to make his affiliate debut. We did see a couple pitchers pitch in the Arizona Complex League, uh, made a couple outings. But then Joe Lampy is the first position position player to, uh, to make it to an affiliate, to make a appearance at all this year, really. So that's good news. Yeah, absolutely good news to see Lampy. Uh you know, I think at one point I'd suggested Lampy would be out. Maybe Nate Furman, Guy Litscomb. Um, Going to be exciting to sit back and actually get to watch some of them play now, too. I know a lot of been a lot of people have been hoping to see some of the draft picks this year, and I kind of threw out that they probably wouldn't play Delauder. We haven't seen him yet. Hopefully, they'll get a few more uh, players out. Like I said, Furman and Litscomb would be fun. Um, 
But, hey, I, I think a lot of these guys have already seen a lot of time in the playoffs. They've had longer seasons, especially with COVID in the mix from 2020. Um, you know, things just quite haven't been what they normally would be as far as these guys getting games and exposure and stuff over the last few years. And I think that comes into play even right now for the organization. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't believe we'll see Chase a lot of this year. I did see somebody in Charlotte um, or wherever JMU is located, uh, a, a writer out there said that he had heard that Chase Delauder will not play this year, um, at least not in games that count. So maybe uh, maybe instructs, but we'll see. I don't know if we'll, we'll see any more people promoted to, to Lynchburg. I, I'm curious to see where Janelle plays. I mean, um, Yordis Valdez was promoted from Lynchburg to Lake County, so I guess there's in, infield spots open there. You could play him and Diane Frias and Jake Fox on the infield, and um, that should be interesting. So, a lot of reasons to watch Lynchburg going forward. I mean, they they were an interesting team to start the year. I feel like uh, the roster kind of lacked some some excitement throughout the rest of the season. You know, Jake Fox was one to watch down there. Um, I'm trying to think who else I've been really checking. I mean, Will Dion and Ryan Webb were guys to check out, and um, Reed Johnston has been great this year. I've watched a lot of his starts. I'm trying to think other pitchers. That uh, Jack Leftwich when he was down before he got the promo to Lake County. Yeah, Jack Leftwich. So yeah, Dion Webb Leftwich. I mean, I'm trying to think of who's left. Uh, who's left? I've been. has been pretty good. Uh, his last last several outings. Yeah, they they bumped him to more of a a three inning role at this point in the season. He's been pretty good. And then oh, you know what? Zach Petway and Tyler Thornton. They've had kind of mixed mixed results the last few weeks, but I've enjoyed watching them because they have interesting stuff. And I think those are both guys that once they get their their feet under them, they could have a, a chance to move quickly as relievers. So Lynchburg's in the playoffs too. They already clinched the playoff spot, so you have a good chance to see them. Those couple of guys that just got promoted and anybody else um, well into September for the first time. And um, I don't know who they're going to be playing in the playoffs, but gosh, I really hope whoever they play um, has a, a good MILB TV setup. That's all I'm crossing my fingers for selfishly. So we'll see. Um, next order of business, uh, Cody Morris. So this is the, uh, the, the uh, 40-man news probably to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, first time in his pro career that he has pitched on less than uh, starters rest. So he's been pitching, you know, four or five, or I'm sorry, five or six days of rest his entire career uh, in the pros as a starter. For the first time, and he's been coming out of the bullpen the last two two times now. He pitched one inning on August 25th. He pitched two innings yesterday. And... Uh, it was on two days of rest, so he pitched on the 25th, he pitched on the 28th. So that's the first time he's ever done that. He looked pretty good. He was up to 95, 96 the fastball. Um, we saw a little bit of the change, mostly the fastball and change up some of the of the slider, I think one curve. Um, but I would say, you know, as long as his arm and his body bounce back pretty good from pitching on that short of rest for the first time in his career, um, I would I would bet as soon as rosters expand September first he will be up. Uh, he has to be off the IL on, on September second officially this time. We figured it out finally thanks to the help of um, Andrew Kinsman and, and Jason Martinez of Fangraphs, but and Arthur and Arthur Kinney. But um, yeah, rosters expand September second, which is Tuesday. So I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him 
um, on Tuesday in Cleveland. He might, I would say maybe he gets he might get one more appearance in Columbus just to see if he bounces back. But yeah, I would say there's a good chance you might see him in Cleveland this week. Yeah, I agree. What are you, what are your thoughts on him as a reliever? Here, here's my my thing is they're not going to be able to use him. I shouldn't say be able to because they just pitched him on two days of rest. But I would I would imagine they're going to be cautious with his with his injury history and being a reliever for the first time, you're probably not going to see him pitch back-to-back days, at least not early on. Um, I would be surprised if we saw it at all, but maybe if he really, if this, if he really takes well of this, you could, or they could at least push him to that point, you know, get him built up to do that. But um, he's a four pitch guy. I mean, he's got the fastball, he's got the curveball, he's got the changeup, and he's got a slider now, which he didn't, I don't think he had in college. That's kind of a new pitch, but I'm kind of curious based on your history of, of, you know, I'm sure you knew more about him coming out of, uh, out of South Carolina than I did, but um, based on what he does now, I'm curious to see how the pitch mix looks out of the bullpen because you don't see a lot of four pitch relievers and he's got, I think four legitimate pitches. Yeah. And, and part of the reason I think he will be a weapon is because he does have those, that velocity, um, that four pitch, pitch mix will make him a unique reliever at, I think even coming out of the bullpen, you, you may see a, a increase in velocity or at least sitting a little bit harder than he has been this year too um, as a starter. I know his velo had been down a little bit uh, so far, but uh, not that that's a concern. I mean, he's missed a good portion of the season. But I think, uh, I think you're right. We won't see him on back-to-back days. I think that's something that we probably will see in the future or maybe next year or something like that. Um, but I think with that four pitch mix, it makes him a unique bullpen arm. Usually you'll see guys with two really good pitches, maybe a third, but he's a legitimate potentially starting pitcher, but in a bullpen role because of the because of the injury history. My Wi-Fi went down, so hopefully uh, we pick up where we left off. I know probably going to be some uh, a bump in audio there, so uh, I'm not sure what they recorded from you, Willie. My Wi-Fi went down for a minute, but um, you were talking about the bump in Velo for Cody Morris. Yeah, I was just saying that uh, I think he may produce a bump in Velo because, uh, you know, being shortened up working out of the bullpen, you typically will see that with guys uh, just working a – inning or two, they can throw harder or they not as worried about pacing themselves for a start. Um, but they did get a nice 30 seconds uh, silent there. Justin. So maybe that was nap time for everyone. Like we said earlier. <laughs> yeah. I was so excited about the Cody Moore, about Cody Morris being a reliever that I need to go uh, cool myself off and, and take a quick nap. Uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see what 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 this pitch mix looks like as a reliever because it you know it yes he has a good pitch mix it's kind of harder to get a feel for your stuff you almost have to like eliminate a pitch sometimes when you're when you become a reliever because I don't you don't see a lot of guys going in there with four pitches that does make him unique maybe it gives him a chance to be a two inning guy he did pitch two innings on Sunday so we'll see but yeah consistently ninety five ninety six I think for sure you'll see a lot better from him but. 
yeah, hope to see him this week. I think there's a good chance you do. That'll be that'll and be I a fun guy to have for the stretch run. I think in the in the future you possibly see him topping 97, 98. It's there for him already, uh, in my opinion. It's just getting him healthy and getting him into that role. Um, and he's one I feel he he could probably use all four pitches out of the bullpen. Just he's ready. He's developed. It's just really a question of him staying healthy. That's been the issue with him, you know, throughout his career, and that's why he's trending toward a, a bullpen role now. Yeah, health has definitely been the issue in that regard for him, and good chance he would already have been up this year anyway if he had been healthy. So, and that might have been the best role for him too in the bullpen, but um, especially now. So, another question is going to be, who else will be up in September? So, the rosters are no longer expanding to forty in September; they only go to twenty-eight. So. Uh, good chance that Cody Morris is the 27th guy. Um, as far as 40 man moves go, I mean, you got um, Kirk McCarty and Anthony Castro taking up roster spots that you can probably move on from uh, to, to activate Morris off the 40 day or the four, the 60 man IL to get him on the back on the 40. You'll have another one potentially if you want to add Bo Naylor, if you, you know, eliminate both McCarty and Castro from the, from the 40. So, the question is going to be, is it Bo Naylor? Do they go with the third catcher? Um, Brian Lavesti is on the 40. Would they, would they go with him instead of adding Bo Naylor to the 40? Gabriel Arias has played for a space in left field this past week. You know, does he make the roster because they're trying to increase his positional versatility? Do you recall Nolan Jones? Um, wild card, is it Will Brennan? My, my thinking is this. I think if they were going to call Will Brennan up, they would have done it by now. Um, I don't think you're going to push a guy like Will Brennan to the majors and supplant Miles Straw. I know he's had his struggles, but you're not going to push a rookie into center field for a playoff race um, in September in center field like that. I mean, if they were going to do that, why not give Will Benson more run out there? He's barely played. I think uh, they already had a hard time getting at bats for Nolan Jones, which is why part of why he went down. I just, I feel like if they were going to bring up Will Brennan, they would have done it by now. I don't think you're going to, you're going to take Miles Straw to the lineup and put a rookie in there for September and hope that he comes up and has a hot month and carries you to the playoffs. I think that's unfair expectations. And I don't know if you necessarily trust where that goes. So I don't think it'll be Will Brennan. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think um, Gabriel Arias has been primed for that super utility role, playing him at first base, getting him some looks in left field. He's already played second, short, and third. Um, you know, maybe that's a, a future role for him with this organization, but I think they really were priming him for September call-up uh, and really when you add another right-hand bat to the bench. I think that's the thing with Brennan. Um, like you said, Nolan Jones has been sent down, left-handed bat, you know, so I, I think – Brennan is down and is not added until this off season. I just don't see the roster fit, so to speak. And I think they want to give a fair run to Will Benson. Jones wasn't in that bad. So why, why waste him on the bench and let him pine away, so to speak? Yeah, I would agree. I, I don't think it's been fair to, to bring more guys. And swing them. And that's the other thing too, is like, I guess, I guess you can't rule out Ernie Clement. I don't want to, make anybody upset by listening to this, but I guess you can't rule out Ernie Clement as being a guy that comes back. 
um, in September when the rosters expand to 28. I guess he could be the other one. I guess okay, yeah, I think it comes down to thanks. All right, <laughs> it was a good one. That's gonna be more than 30 seconds of silence this time to, to react to that uh, that bombshell. Um, you might be right, but I think they'll go with Arius because he has a higher ceiling. There's more upside and potential return with him on the bench by utilizing him in that super utility role. I agree, but I kind of wonder, like, okay, how many how many at bats is he going to get? Are you going to throw a guy in that has two games at first base in his minor league career? Are you going to hope? It's not like he's got this great bat. I mean, I think the biggest question about Gabriel Arias is his bat, right? I think everything mm-hmm. else looks good. It's a question of his bat. Are you going to trust his bat at first base with two games of experience in a playoff race to play more often? Um, and if not, is he just another guy that sits on the bench? You know, Tyler Freeman's barely playing. Will Benson's barely playing. So you've got another guy who probably could use reps. Is he going to going to sit on the bench or is he going to play? I don't I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I, I certainly think they, they it's possible they do that. But, you know, do they feel like Gabriel Arias is better off playing in AAA? You know, he has missed some time this year. Get more reps at first base. See if that's part of his package going forward and playing some left field. Or are you going to throw him into the fire and trust him and hope that he's an upgrade over Owen Miller platooning with uh, Owen Miller or with uh, Josh Naylor and maybe getting some starts elsewhere? I don't know. That's that's a tough call. It's, it's it would be a bold move. I think it would be like I said. The upside's there. Um, I think the other thing that factors factors into this too is like this whole year. Yeah, they're winning right now, but let's not forget. I think a lot of this year was was supposed to be about development and identifying mm-hmm. the next guys of the core and. Um, if he does play, then yeah, you're getting a, a better look at him than you've already gotten this season. So at least you do that. It just might come at the detriment of uh, of winning. Although, what's the downside? Not like Owen Miller has been great at first base anyway. So, what is what is your downside of going that route? I guess is the question. So they find. Do you go with Arias? Do you think Jones comes back, or do you think they hand hand it to, to Bo Naylor and get him, or or Brian Lavastida and have a third catcher? Because oftentimes you do get a third catcher, but um, not like they're going to play a ton either. Yeah, and they seem to be rotating Maley and, and Hedges quite a bit, um, almost to an even load. It seems like uh, surprised how much Maley's actually playing here but maybe just because Hedges has been dinged up and he hasn't been hitting all year. Um, but well, he's got a great line in the second half. They both do. <laughs> yes, they, they have been better the second half. Um, Hedges, is, I think, was hitting over 300 at one point over like 26 games. I, I tweeted that out, something I saw on, on one of the broadcasts, um, which is good, but, you know, I don't expect that to continue on. I <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they just hold their own. Um, I, I don't think it'll be Naylor because you're, you're looking at an offseason roster move or, or a, a move that will probably happen in the offseason. I guess I shouldn't say it is, but that's one I think will be an offseason roster move. I think Brennan will be a roster move in the offseason, too. Um, I, I think you do bring up a good point. Ernie could sit on the pine and, uh, you know, Tito seemed to really like him. And I think a lot of people, to a lot of people, he got a lot longer ride than what he deserved here in Cleveland. Um, but if you're going to have a guy on the bench that can play a, a multiple 
multiple um, positions and need, doesn't need to play, you know, maybe it's Ernie instead. Yeah, that is that is going to be a concern of what it comes down to, what they decide to do um, with that spot. I think for sure it's Cody Morris occupies one, and it's going to be a question what they do with the other. I don't know. I, I could see Nolan Jones. You know, he hasn't played for a space in the minors yet this year. He only has one career game down there, too. They weren't finding at bats for him before. And it seems like they want to be able to platoon Naylor at first base with somebody. So Gabriel Arias makes sense there. Although Ernie Clement also has experience at first base, although it's limited. Um, just saying. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I think there's a roster spot to play with. If they want to, if they want to add a Bo Naylor, then they have the roster spot available if they decide to move on from both McCarty and Castro. But um, yeah, I. I, I I was thinking originally it was going to be Bo Naylor, like up until until recently. I would say if you asked me a month ago, I would have said Bo Naylor, but um, I'm leaning towards one of Gabriel Arias or, or Nolan Jones, depending on how they want to play that out. Um, and I don't think season. Richie, uh, I don't think Richie Palacios is a slam dunk to, you know, right? They could they could make that move again. Yeah, you could swap out Jones and Palacios and. I guess I just like Palacios because he can offer a good pinch hitting option because he can draw a walk. He puts the bat on the ball and is a guy that um, whose approach at the plate will be fine if he misses, if he doesn't play for a couple of days or only has one at bat every three days versus Nolan Jones. That would be an issue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's more about that's, team evaluation of the player and the role that they see them in the future. Right. Role and, and at bats definitely matter here without a doubt. Um, you know, I talked a little bit on, on in our messages on Twitter. I've been trying to figure this out, and I think it's, that we're going to get an announcement in the coming week here or so about AFL rosters. So um, I think I pitched to you earlier today. Let me see if I can find the message. But um, who, who did I tell you I thought would be in, in the AFL this year? So um, Joey Cantillo. If he's healthy, yeah. Yeah, the three relievers, Kelly, Missy Azak, um, me. Yes, I couldn't say it after saying the other one. <laughs> yeah, I would say and one of those three for sure. Tim, Tim maybe Harris. Naylor, Angel Martinez. Yeah, Tim Heron. Maybe Naylor too. Angel Martinez. Yeah. And um, I could see I Will Brennan was, too. He's right yeah, and Will Brennan. And I, I yeah. threw out Jonathan uh, Rodriguez, uh, Young Kenzie Noel. And possibly, but I but doubtful, Daniel Espino. Yeah, Daniel Espino in the NFL would be really exciting. That would be awesome if we could if they could get that make that happen. But I don't know. It, it, again, that involves ramping him back up, and who, we don't even know if he's throwing right now. As of last as of last word, he was a ways away. That was uh, earlier this month. He was a ways away. So hard to believe they would ramp him back up to pitch in the AFL and then have him ramp back down and have to get him back up for the spring training. I would think they would just go into spring training with him being healthy. So yeah, I would say Bo Naylor makes a lot of sense because typically what they've done in the past is they've sent guys that are due to be added to the 40 in the next, before the end of the, or before winter, before the rule five draft, they typically send a lot of those guys out to the AFL. So if if that tracks this year, I think Bo Naylor, Angel Martinez and, and Will Brennan, position player wise um, make a lot of sense. And then one of those relievers, cause they always need pitchers out there. 
Um, if Joey Cantillo is healthy, that's a good way to get him some innings that he's missed uh, this you, year. You mentioned Shane McCarthy too. Yeah, I, I don't know where Shane McCarthy's at in his Tommy John rehab. So he he had Tommy John, I think, last July. I want to say I have to go back and look that up. But if he is like ready to throw some innings, I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe get some run out there because uh, Matt Turner came back from Tommy John last offseason and he pitched in the AFL. Although he had a couple of outings and had an affiliate before that happened, so we'll see. But the other guy I would say Ethan Hankins is a possibility mm-hmm. as well, but he hasn't thrown in a while, uh, at least in the game. So I'm not sure where that is, but that would be a good option for them to get him some innings. And then Tim Heron is another guy too. I wouldn't be surprised to see. Um, he's had a pretty good year. I know they like him a little bit, and um, another reliever that could be added to the 40 man roster as well if they have room. So there's probably somebody you said. I know you said Jonathan Rodriguez. The only, I mean, John Kenzie Noel is is an interesting option. They just haven't set any forty man guys in a while. There, I know other teams have done it, but usually Cleveland hasn't. But um, if they want to keep getting him reps in the outfield, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, that's kind of where my my mindset was: is get him more reps um, defensively and offensively. You you got a young guy on your forty man roster. I think the best thing to do is get him as much exposure as possible. That's why I threw him out there, and then. Rodriguez is let's let's see what he is against top flight competition on a regular basis, you know. Yeah, I think that's an interesting option as well because he's rule five eligible. They haven't added him, and or I don't know if they will add him, but um, why not get a look at him and see what happens out in, in Arizona? Certainly, a lot of options. Uh, just a little bit less clear cut this year than it was a year ago. I think last year it was easy to predict who was going to go, and this year it hasn't been quite as. Uh, as easy to do it. Um, all right. So more on that to come. I think I'd imagine we would see more. Um, we'll see more of that this coming week. I, I think we'll see a an, an, uh, roster announcement, if not next week. So I want to run through real quick, just some notable names in the uh, DSL and the ACL, their season wrapped up. We just talked about Angel Janow, who is at Lynchburg now. So obviously that was a name to keep it, uh, keep an ear out for. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as uh, Ward Quellen Vasquez, who got the bump. You know, they chose him to go up from from the ACL to to Lynchburg, but there were other guys on that list as well. Um, I thought Yarmon Gomez had a pretty good year, although he's a little bit younger, so maybe they went with Vasquez because he's 21. But um, yeah, I would say that Yarmon Gomez was a guy who had a good year in the ACL to keep an ear out for. Um, I don't think Robert Lopez had a great year, but he was pretty young. Obviously, Fran, Fran Alduy and um, uh, Jose Devers didn't have a, a strong year. I don't know. Jose Pastrano. Jose Pastrano, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he not a a bigger name in terms of um, prospects that are international people they signed a couple of years ago in 2019? Yeah, he was, he was uh, considered a bigger signing. They signed him for like a million and a quarter. Uh, I believe he was even a top 40 prospect at Baseball America, and uh, I think he may have been a top 30 at MLB.com for the international um, free agents. Hmm. Yeah, it hasn't quite panned out for him yet. Um, interesting that he uh, has really not was, a, was a big signing for them, too. He, I don't think he quite got the contract Pastrano did, but uh, Al Dewey was the, kind of the spare, if you will. Because uh, they go with that yeah. Aaron Spare type of approach, uh, go with multiple players, similar size uh, deals, 
and Alduy was the second one that they gave a good size deal to, but not quite the magnitude of what uh, Pastrano got. And then there was, okay, so Juan Benjamin had a pretty good year in the ACL. He got a cup of coffee in Lynchburg when there was a COVID issue. They sent him up, but he also came back to ACL. He had a good year. Um, May Collado played first base in ACL a little bit. He's a, a shorter guy, but a bigger, little stockier, but he had a good year offensively, both 19-year-olds. And then in the DSL, you have, gosh, obviously – Jason Chorio is, is going to be the big name that stands out to everybody. He had a great season. Um, Jose Cedeno, I know he was part of the 2022 international internet sign class, kind of an afterthought, but he had a fantastic mm-hmm. year in, in the, uh, in the, the DSL there. I'm trying to think of other names that, that popped there. Rafael Ramirez was a bloodlines guy. Yep. Um, Yankee John Baptiste did not have a <coughs> particular great year, excuse me, but um yeah, those are the guys that kind of stuck out to me. Any other names that you think people should be uh, keeping an ear out for when it comes to stateside debuts next year? Um, oh, gee, was is Tiras Victor? Yeah. Is Tiras, I think it is, and he's won the the young catcher, and then um, Robert Lopez, the catcher, too. Uh, another one that they were really excited about. Oh, gee, I'm trying to remember the other catcher that they that I know that the organization was really excited about from people that I talked to anyways. Um, Lopez played in Arizona this year, it looks like. So he was yep. – that yeah, was a good one. Excellent defensive skills. I don't – I haven't looked at his numbers to – you know, I, I think numbers out in Arizona really don't matter. Um, uh, Emilio Tavares kind of stuck out to me too, I think. He was a 19-year-old. Yeah, Emilio Tavares, the, the pitcher. Um, uh, yeah, catcher. I just wish I could remember that other catcher's name. Um, Manny Mieja. Uh, oh, Manny there Manny you go. Um, that's one I've, I've heard that the organization is excited about too. Um, maybe a little bit of a lesser signing as far as a, a catcher in terms of signing bonus, but a, another guy that, um, uh, showing some talent when he's gotten out there. Uh, that's the thing with these guys consider Ronald Acuna, Junior signed for ten thousand uh, dollars. A lot of it is when these guys are peaking in talent. Some of them peak early and get signed for millions of dollars. Other guys, you don't really start seeing that talent until the till the physique catches up with the physical skills, uh, and then it all comes together at the right time for them. You know that's why I think you have to be patient with a lot of these players, and it's it's a unique situation too. Really trying to feel out what it's what to make of the Arizona complex league, even Lynchburg with uh, Mahoning Valley, that rookie level being eliminated uh, a few years ago. Now um, I don't, I don't weigh too heavily on numbers in Arizona now, or even in Lynchburg, not that I ever really did, oh, but yeah. I, I don't think you can just look at numbers, even if a guy is dominant and assume that he's going to be great when he goes up to another level. Yeah, you can you can junk almost all stats from complex leagues and in, in low A for sure. Um, even even a bit high. A. I think double A is where you can start to see stats correlate a little bit better. But um, <clears throat> Manuel Mejias, you, you pointed out Mejias. That's a good one as far as stats are concerned, because obviously we haven't seen these guys outside of like you know little bits of video that get out from Baseball America. But twelve um, percent strikeout rate, eleven percent walk rate. Uh, so that was pretty good. He's five foot. He's only five foot seven, one sixty six. He's eighteen. He turns nineteen next June. So 
Wow. And that's so. probably his listed <laughs> signing weight instead of his actual playing weight, too. But some of these guys right. don't he was never really hit that growth spurt. But, I mean, remember Oscar Gonzalez and Young Kenzie Noel were both listed much smaller for a long time. So I think – That's true. Until until this year, Oscar Gonzalez was listed 6'1", 6'2", 180, 190. And he's every bit of 6'4", 240 now. <laughs> Yeah, those things never – it takes a while for those things to catch up um, on those. Uh, real quickly, let's let's talk, give some quick thoughts on minor league baseball potentially being part of the players' union. I don't know if they'll be directly um, part of the major league baseball players' union, but they'll be at least be represented by them, so they might be part of the union. I did see some people worry about, uh, oh, this means that they're going to contract more teams – and I saw from J.J. Cooper today from Baseball America, who's always a good source on this stuff. Um, the only way, so if the minor leaguers do get into the Major League Baseball Players Union, they they can't, they wouldn't be able to contract more teams, which means less players, without a vote from the players, which means minor leaguers would have to vote to contract some of their own teammates in their own future potentially so that seems pretty unlikely and then they do have player development agreements up until 2030 i think so eight more years um so i don't think we'll see con- any contraction of teams for eight more years obviously after that who really knows but um at least for the time being there's going to be four four levels per team plus a complex but this is good news i mean regardless of that i don't i don't think anybody's going to vote against their own future um, but this is a long time coming. I didn't think it would ever happen. I don't think the players union would do this if they didn't think there was enough interest to make it happen. So um, I welcome this. I'm excited for it. I'm sure there will be retribution from Rob Manfred in the major league baseball office for allowing the minor league baseball players to unionize. But um, Hey, it's, it's going to be good for the players. It might be painful at times for labor agreements. Cause those things are always painful. Might see the first time we might see a minor league baseball player strike. If, if, if it gets that ugly, but um, I think overall there will be some fights and will be some painful moments, but this is a, a good step for the future of minor league baseball, at least in terms of players. Justin, toddlers will always try to get what they want, even if it means throwing a tantrum to manipulate the situation in their favor. Um, Major league baseball is no different. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better, but hey, they they have been complaining about this for a while, and, and they've needed it for a while. So I'm glad to see that they finally are going to have a shot to be represented in the union. So we'll see what that what happens with that. How do you feel about taking some questions? We're almost at the hour mark. We've done pretty well today for ourselves. How about that? Well, it's because we had a nap mid podcast. So yeah, yeah, we had a, we had a thirty second nap. That's uh, that's pretty exciting. We uh, we never get to questions this fast. Usually, it's like an hour, and I'm like, oh, let's let's. Uh, we actually kind of answered some of them along the way too. Uh, we probably have, yeah. Uh, this one's too big to put on the screen, so I'm just going to say it. So, the first question comes from Brian Williams. This is a uh, captain's playoff question. He wants to know if the captains make the playoffs, what could their pitching situation look like in a three game series? who would start, who would piggyback. Could the captains alter the rotation against a pretty weak 
Fort Wayne team coming this week or the week before, I should say, um, to ensure that Nikhazy and Leftwich pitch in the playoffs. Well, Doug Nikhazy will not be pitching in the playoffs for Lake County, as we saw today, unfortunately. Um, they got Will Dion, so that, that gets them an extra pitcher. I would probably guess right now that Lake County, um, they would probably go with Leftwich... Davenport and one of Macer. I don't know. Maybe maybe Will Dion gets that spot. I don't know. It's it'd be his first out uh, there. Yeah, maybe Boone. I would also say too. Are they gonna juggle the rotation a little bit to make sure a couple guys pitch? Yes, but they're also gonna make sure these guys get innings that they need. This is still about getting guys uh, the outings they need at the end of the season. So I don't think you're gonna see a ton of juggling, but. Yeah, I would guess for sure in the first two games you will see Leftwich and Davenport, and then the third, um, right, Mace. I'm not sure. Yeah, because he's been there all year. You're going to reward the guys that have been there all year too, and, and maybe Dion piggybacks one of them or something. But yeah, I think in the first two games, the playoffs they make it, you can count on Leftwich and and Davenport in some order because they've been there. And then he also another question Brian did um, last minute call ups to help push affiliates into the playoffs, specifically Lynchburg, Lake County, Lake County, Akron. Well, I think the organization answered that today pretty well. Nick yep. Casey and Akron and Deion to Lake County and Angel Janow and, and uh, Joe Lampy to uh, Lynchburg. Lynchburg. Where Where's Lampy going to play in Lynchburg, do you think? You know, I want to say center field, but um, you got Burgos. Fox gets some time out there, maybe over in right. I think he can handle some right, um, maybe a little bit of left, probably some DH, move the guys around a little yeah. bit. Yeah, they've got uh, – obviously, um, uh, obviously, they like him pushing him up, up to Lynchburg pretty quickly. Uh, they did something similar with Davenport last year. so That's right. They did do that. But, yeah, right now the outfield in um, Lynchburg is um, Wilfredo Antunez, who hasn't really played much. I think he might be hurt. Uh, Jorge Burgos and Isaiah Green and Jake Fox get some time out there. Marlon Made is also there, but I don't think he's been playing either. Um, so, yeah, with, with Cesar Drago being pr- promoted to Lake County, I guess yeah, you've got Green and Burgos and Fox and Joe Lampy. So, yeah, plenty of room for him to be playing up there. Our buddy Nunzio Izzo, who I got to, to talk to uh Last night on our, our Guardians our Guardians wrap up on Twitter Spaces, uh, it was a lot of fun. Even though he had R two D two in his uh, background while he was uh, talking, or something like R two D two was trying to talk to us. Anyway, um, wanted to know what happens to the draft class after they come together for signing day in Arizona. What have they been up to, and what's happening since the season end? If uh, what happens to the complex? after the season ends and since no one has made it out to the affiliate this year, well, Joe Lampy made it to an affiliate. And really, I think what the organization does from, what I remember asking um, uh, Scott Barnsby after the draft is, you know, do you think any of these guys got to the affiliates? And it's really like a kind of a orientation. They kind of go through, it's almost like college again, and they go through a lot of orientation out there and they get used to daily routines and going out and doing their work during the day in Arizona and working out and, and getting used to, building their bodies to be professional athletes and playing every day. So that's really what goes on down there. Unfortunately, no, uh, 
our buddy Joe Koblitz is no longer um, covering baseball due to time constraints with his job. So um, we don't have any eyes down in Arizona at the moment. We'll try to get somebody down there eventually, but yeah, really it's just, it's really just kind of a syllabus. So a syllabus week, it's more like a syllabus month or syllabus months down in Arizona after the draft. The, yeah, they do the orientation. Um, you see a few guys escape that cycle of orientation, if you will, uh, coming into the organization. A lot of it is prep work to be a professional player, mind and body type of stuff. You want to get these guys out there and have successful seasons so that you've seen them hold back guys. Um, I, I think, you know, keep in mind, it's all about getting them into the laboratory and it, and expanding their brains and their capabilities. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I say that jokingly, but I, I do think that there is some, um, I'll say technical work that's going on behind the scenes where they'll look at mechanics and, um, oh, gee whiz, I forget what you call it, um, ergonomics, how players are using their bodies and their swings, uh, arm swing, things like that, and maybe a few mechanical changes that will take place. This team used to wait a year or two before they actually made those type of moves. But this past season, we see Gavin Williams come in with a, a slightly uh, a small change in his delivery and Tanner Bibby as well. And I, I suspect that something that's going on in this time period is they're going through uh, some routines with the guys and they're studying them and then sending out the ones that they feel comfortable with where they are and uh, working on that partnership with the player in the organization for the long-term development. Yeah, well said. That's kind of the process they go through out there. And it, it is a little unusual. They've had less guys out at affiliates this year. But like you said, the elimination of short season league affects that as well. Because in the past, you would see all those guys go to Moaning Valley, and they didn't now. So um, a lot of them will go to Instructs, too, this fall when that starts up. So doesn't necessarily mean they're not doing anything, but yeah, that's just kind yeah, of, they're, they're working out. And, you know, like I said, I I'm very certain that they're studying them all that they're doing yeah. and how to be more powerful in their delivery and, and all of it more intentional in their swings, all of that. Um, yeah, well said. The uh, last question is from our buddy, Andrew Kinsman, our, uh, rules expert. Um, could Jesus Aguilar just became a, uh, available as a league minimum free agent after a down year? Could be? Could he be really any worse than Owen Miller at first base? I say no, he couldn't be any worse. I did look at some video of Jesus Aguilar and some numbers, and he is not hitting fastballs this year, and that seems to go along with his bat speed looks a little bit slower. Um, he's 32. He's not having a great year. He's not walking. He really isn't doing anything all that well. Um, could it be worse than Owen Miller? No, but the problem is he's a first base DH type and they seem to want to avoid that type on the roster. So mm-hmm. I would be for giving him a shot, but um, I don't think it'll happen, but he couldn't be any worse. I think with that spot on the roster, you know, you're, you're adding, why not take a shot with a guy like that um, veteran guy who can, who can bring some power to the organization and, and adds uh, adds a bat that you might need for the playoff run. Um, I'm not against it. Uh, in fact, I, I said it's time to bring Jesus back to Cleveland the other day. Um, partly intended as a play on words, but also having a little fun with, uh, hey, he 
might help the organization on that playoff run. I mean, hey, Fran Reyes is, is getting uh, a good second life in Chicago. Why not? Why not Jesus Aguilar in Cleveland since he was already here once? We'll see. I doubt it, but I yeah, you know, me I couldn't get me. Worse. It's about upside. That's why I said I think they should add Arias. And to me, upside is the play that they make if they add Cody Morris. He's the upside arm to add to help the bullpen out for the long term. Uh, my opinion. Um, I would go with the upside bat, which would be Gabriel Arias, since there's not a position to play Nolan Jones in uh, right now. Except first base, if he would have played there, but he's not. Yeah, um, exactly. So it'll be Ernie, it'll be Ernie Clement, is what we're saying. It'll be Ernie Clement. That's how. Yes. That's yep. how <laughs> All right. Well, we've covered a lot. Let's 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 bring back. We haven't done. I haven't done player of the week in a while because um, we we had so much going on previous weeks when you were on with us and, and um, um, we had draft stuff draft and all that kinds of stuff yeah. going on. What's that? I said a lot of draft content. We had a lot of draft content. We just had a lot of jam-packed episodes, so we didn't get to players of the week. Plus, we had to have that fight draft over who fight. won the one week where you predicted Nolan Jones and he got called up and we were fighting whether or not that counted. That counted. <laughs> Yeah, you you wanted that to be a win for you automatically because predicting a player's uh, good week being a, a major league debut is probably better than what I picked. But anyway, um, I didn't do it with uh, John or um, Will Cunningham last week because uh, it was the one and only podcast appearance to end the year before they went back to college. Or John is off in Europe right now, but um, right now. The standings are you and everybody else has been on the podcast this year. Opposite me are six, three, and one. We gave one week a tie, and then uh, I'm two, seven, and one. So not great. Wait, shouldn't that be the reverse? I'm confused. Is my math bad? You're six, three, and one. Shouldn't that make me three, six, and one? Yeah, it seems like there's an extra one in there, isn't there? Uh, well, I. Uh, yeah, it's ten. Nine. No, that's right. That's right. You're that's ten. That's ten decisions. Six, three, and one is ten. Two, seven, and one is ten. So that's right. Okay. We're good. My math's not that bad. I my math is bad. That's why I got into writing, but it's not that bad. So um there's only three weeks left in the minor league baseball season. So in theory, I cannot catch you in the standings, but if we count the playoffs, I could because Lake County is in Lynchburg or I'm sorry, Lynchburg is in. Lake County has the potential to get in, and I guess Akron does too, but uh, we'll at least have one extra week of playoffs, so I could tie you. So we're going to keep it going. So do you want to make the the first pick this week? You know what? By virtue of record, I think you get the first pick. (laughs) Yes, you've been been rubbing that in all year. Thank you. I thought you were going to let that go for a week, but you've been rubbing it in all year. Why not? All right. Well, I was. I think. I think I spent a lot of the year trying to be cute with my picks and trying to to find a diamond in the rough. So I am gonna scrap that plan for the for the the stretch run here and try to tie you. I am gonna go with uh, Tanner Bibby, Tanner Bybee. Sorry, Tanner Bybee. And for my hitter, for my hitter, I think I am gonna go with. George Valera, he's been playing pretty well in Columbus. So I'm 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 breaking out the big guns this week because I need a win. So Tanner Bybee and George Valera, yeah. Well, I'm 
I'm feeling it this week. So I'm going to go with uh, Gavin Williams. And, uh, but I was really tempted to go Jack Leftwich there, but I'm going to go with uh, Gavin Williams. And then for my hitter for the week, I am going to go with, jeez, uh, a couple of tough choices there. But I'm going to go with um, Gabriel Arias. Okay, so if he gets he gets promoted in September as a September call up, are you going oh, 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 yeah. to pull the Nolan Jones? Are you going to say, well, he got promoted. Doesn't that make it an automatic win? Because <laughs> that was your I, argument. I didn't think about that. You know what? You know what? I'll, oh, I'll no, fine. I'm going to go with it. Will Brennan. I'm going to go with Will <laughs> Brennan because I don't think Brennan's going to get called up. And I, we don't need any controversy down the stretch. I just need to pull away from you and leave you in the dust. Well, one more win and it's over. Even if there's – well, I guess we don't know how, how long the playoffs will go if that happens, but – one, if you get one more win, it's looking pretty pretty bad for me. My uh, tragic number is going to be uh, almost up. So I don't know if Will Bre- if Will Brennan gets promoted, if he's the, if he ends up being the dark horse, we'll be coming. <laughs> I guess we'll call that a win for you because that would be a uh, quite the upset. So all right, well we've got to a minute ten or a minute and nine and a half if you count our thirty second nap in between the middle of the podcast uh, with that audio break. Anything else you want to add at this point, Willie, or are we good? No, we're good. I'm still uh, still intent on getting a way too early mock draft out there. Uh, got delayed on that, taking care of some uh, family issues, but everything is lined out. We're doing good. Uh, I'll have that rolling out sometime soon. Cool, cool. So wait to it's still it is still too way too early for a 2023 mock draft. So uh, you're still on schedule for that at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could do that in a month, and it's still way too early. <laughs> it's still too early, so that's good. Yeah. So look for that, and then I'll have a, a Kyle not tomorrow. There's no more, uh, like I said, no more complex leagues. So no more around the farm Tuesday mornings because uh, all my league teams are off on Monday. So I'll have a column out tomorrow talking about uh, Doug Nikhazy. I'll have some leftover quotes from him from my last interview with him. So leftover quotes from Aaron Davenport, leftover quotes from Will Dion that I'll put out in that, and then some thoughts on the Arizona Fall League, and then some other stuff I got coming up in there as well. So uh, be on the lookout for that, and notebooks, all that good stuff. I have, I think, three more games in Lake County this year, uh, not including the playoffs coverage-wise. I have a game in Akron I'm covering. So I am the Lone Ranger when it comes to uh, – covering games in the minor leagues at this point. All of our interns are back in school. So um, I'm on my own. So I'm going to try to do it all and bring it to everybody if I can. So be on the lookout for all that and, and wish me the best as I could try to pack all that in my schedule at the end of the season and don't get burned out. So if you listen this long, we appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter, JL underscore baseball, Will who 99 official underscore CGBI subscribe to the podcast rate, Review all that stuff we're supposed to tell you, and um, subscribe to the site if you want to. At this point, and we're we'll probably have a lot more insider stuff coming out this off season. You know, our top ten by position, our best tools, players of the year, all that good stuff is the minor league season. Why I can't believe it's already almost September, Willie. This is, I feel like this this season went very fast. Yeah, I know. I was talking to somebody about that earlier today. It's just a blur. And you know, you know what? Here's here's something funny. Every, every I've been having this dream for like the last three minor league seasons. So 2020 doesn't count, but since like 2019, I have this dream every April. I cover Lake County opening day, 
and I wake up and the next day the season's over. Like I, I I've had that I've had this dream three years running that I cover my first game of the year at, at Lake County and then all of a sudden I wake up and I'm like, oh, the season's over. Like what? I only covered one game. How can the season be over already? I, I don't know how I have the stream every year, but it, it seems like it gets more and more real every year because the season flies by. It tells me you're probably spending too much time at ball games. <laughs> Is that possible? I don't think that's. I don't think that's. I don't think that's Let, let's ask Grace. Uh, let's not, because I'm pretty sure I know the answer. To that. So, <laughs> speaking of that, I should probably we should probably get moving. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Thank you.